So the reason I told my wife, I said, we're going to need some help on this one. I'm sweating and I haven't even told y'all the title yet. Because <laughs> I know this is going to come for your life. What we're going to talk about this afternoon is before you do, after you did. Like I plan on going another route, we're going to go that route in two weeks, but I said, hold on. A critical destiny decision is who you decide to do life with. One of the most, the most important decision that you can make in this life, number one, is accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's the number one destiny decision. But number two, number three, number four is who I'm going to entertain. Who am I going to do life with before you do, after you did? And we usually build, but I want to get straight to work. Can I get us to say this confession and everybody online, put this in the house in all caps. Can I get everybody in the house to say this, this declaration as loud as you can? If it ain't kingdom... It ain't kingdom. And not purposeful. And not purposeful. I don't want it. I don't want it. One more time. If it ain't kingdom. If it ain't kingdom. And not purposeful. And not purposeful. I don't want it. I don't want if it. If it's not your will, I don't want it. If it's not your plan, I don't yes. want it. Yes. If it's not my room, I don't want it. Yes. If it's not my spouse, I don't want it. If it's not my opportunity, I don't want it. Every door that I have been called to walk into, God give us the wisdom so that I can walk into it. And every platform and every Every door and every spiritual ambush that's playing dress up that I'm not supposed to be in, give me the wisdom, give me the red flags, yes. give me the cautioning, give me the tension in my spirit yes. so that I cannot make decisions that would cause for me to die before my time. Amen. Amen. Somebody say wisdom. Wisdom. And we understand as we were preparing this, the truth of the matter is you will spend more time at home than you ever will at church. Okay, you're going to spend more time at home than you ever will at church. And you really don't know how damaged somebody truly is until you love them. Hear me. You really do not know how much healing. You really do not know what has affected them until you love them and try to do life with them. And what we want to do for part seven of this Destiny Decisions series is we want to give you wisdom so that the person that you decide to add to your home causes for your house to be your safe house versus your house to be your psychiatric ward. Are y'all ready for this one? Like when I go home, it is supposed to be an incubator for my wellness, not an incubator for my illness. When I go home, I'm supposed to escape the chaos of the world around me, not resent going home because there's chaos all in my house. Y'all don't want to talk to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to spend more time at your house, at your apartment or wherever you live than you ever will at church. And we need to have wisdom so that we're making choices that add peace to our home versus choices that add chaos to our home. One of the most vital, hear us, vital, important, and imperative destiny decisions that you could ever make. Like, when you don't have wisdom in this area, it is the cause of heartbreaks, it is the cause of broken homes. 
it will cause for pain to hit the soul of a woman and pain to hit the soul of a man to such a degree where it alters your personality. Hear me. The person that God cosmically created for you to be will be altered. Like the personality that he gave you on purpose for your purpose will be altered due to the pain of a bad pick. See, that pain hits different when you have been contributing time, effort, and energy on something that will never be yours. And you cannot love something or love someone into becoming God's will. Right. God is not going to say yes because you want it. I know I'm getting golf claps and it's okay. I'm trying to help us. Because listen, can we be honest? Be honest. If we have unhealthy homes, we're going to have unhealthy pews, yeah. which is going to cause for us to have a lot of counseling sessions. Yeah. So I want you to be healthy so that it can contribute to an atmosphere of health. I just believe healthy people is better than church growth. If we can have them both, praise God. Right. But if we can have growth and health, I value that more. Amen. All right. All right. This, this untreated undisclosed and undiagnosed prolonged pain what it does what it does something's gonna break what it does is it first hurts you then it changes you and then it alters your personality hear me first thing it does is it hurts then it will change you and then it will alter your personality. The reason we're trying to give you wisdom in this area is because hell loves ignorance. And a lot of pastors and churches will not tell you the truth because I can monetize your trauma when you are ignorant. Hell loves ignorance. Ignorance causes for deception to be heightened. And deception is a predator's disguise. Hope y'all get this. Why do you think the lioness tries to find an atmosphere where it could blend in with the grass? It's because the antelope is mistaken the grass as grass, but it's really a lioness. Because deception is a predator's disguise. Why do you think the snake gets real close to a log and it tries to find an atmosphere that camouflages with its skin so that the rabbit will mistake the snake as a rock? It's because deception is a predator's disguise. And the enemy is trying to prey on our destiny. But can I get somebody to say, not today, Satan. Not today, Satan. There's wisdom that God wants to give us because deception is a predator's disguise. Hell loves ignorance because it also causes self-diagnosis and the pursuit of wrong psychiatrists. This is good, isn't it? Pain will cause for you to pursue a self-diagnosis. I'm trying to just find something to relieve this pain I'm feeling. This is why it's dangerous for us to only come to church for relief. Because once you get relieved, you leave. Yes. <laughs> causes for us to engage in self-diagnosis. And it also causes us to pursue wrong psychiatrists. Maybe this man can medicate my issue. Maybe working a lot can medicate my loneliness. 
Maybe this drink can medicate my depression. I'm trying to find something to medicate how I feel. My wife and I were talking about this last night. And I said, you know what? I get it. The enemy traffics so heavy in the area of relationships because depending on where you are in your Christian journey, Proverbs chapter 4, you heard this before. It tells us to guard your heart, not wall your heart. I've said it many times. When you wall your heart, you can't get out and nobody can get in. Just like the enemy sends people, God sends people too. And when you wall your heart, the people who are assistance to your next level, you won't let in because you're trying to wall your heart versus guard your heart. Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. And what can affect your heart like a relationship? Listen, a parental relationship, platonic relationship, church relationship, work relationship, nothing. Think about it. What can affect your heart like a relationship? I'm going to prove it. Somebody online and in-house right now, you are an adult, and you are still currently, right now, trying to heal from who you had as a parent. Oh, I'm talking in here. You are still currently, like you're an adult, like you good and grown. You grown, grown. You like paying bills and stuff, like you grown, grown. You like all the papers. You're a full-fledged adult, and in your adulthood, you're trying to resurrect what should have never died in childhood. Because parental wounds lead to emotional tombs. And so now I'm trying to figure out why do I struggle with saying no, and why do I struggle with establishing boundaries? It's because for many of us, the person that you were supposed to establish boundaries from was your parents. But you couldn't because they were your parents. They were encouraging toxicity and encouraging dysfunction. And you couldn't say no, so you learned lethal loyalty. So now here you are grown, wondering why you can't say no. It's because it stemmed from childhood, and you're still dealing with it on today. On today, I'm trying to help us. There was no love in your living room. So now as an adult, you're looking for love in bedrooms. Talk, Holy Spirit. You're trying to find it because I didn't have it in the living room. And here's what we are just trying to attempt to articulate to you. Organic joy, many of us can't experience it because we're trying to be distracted from sadness. Distracted. From sadness. Ooh, I'm telling somebody prophetically, your last three relationships were an attempt to be distracted from your sadness. You turning up the club, turning up at the club was an attempt for you to be distracted from your sadness. You trying to get high and pop a molly's, I'm sweating. Ooh, you doing all of that? It's because you're trying to distract yourself from your sadness. But what happens when the hangover is gone? What happens once the buzz has faded? What happens once they leave? You are still dealing with your sadness. And I've never seen so many joyless Christians. I've never seen so many sad Christians. I've never seen so many depressed Christians. It's because this conversation has to happen more in mainstream so that we can understand. Stop saying, oh, preach, pastor, in public, but God help me in private. 
The enemy is trafficking in relationships. Let's say it this way. The enemy specializes in gift wrapping, gift wrapping pain in relationship form. And you don't discover it until you've opened it. Is there anybody else that you're like, okay, I'm tired of discovering fruit was rotten by me taking a bite? Anybody? Like, God, give me the discernment so that I don't have to bite it and taste it to know it's rotten. Give me the discernment just when I pick it up. Something ain't right. I'm not judging. I just have discernment. This is so good, y'all. And so culture tells us things like happily ever after. <laughs> I'm like, okay, why is it not joy before after? Somebody missed it. One more time. Culture tells us happily ever after. Why is it not joy before after? See, because if it's happily ever after, you will attach your happiness to the after. And since you don't have an after, you're currently unhappy. But if you have joy right now, because the joy of the Lord is your strength. I have joy outside of my beautiful wife. She has joy outside of me. So what the enemy strives to do is he specializes in gift wrapping pain and relationship form for these two reasons. He wants to use trauma to alter your personality. That's the first thing, which is why some of us currently do not know who we are. And we cannot differentiate between survival tactics, what pain has made us to become versus who we really are. Did y'all hear what I just said? I, I can't discern, is this me or is this a survival tactic I learned with them? Like, is this me or is this what pain has made for me to become? Which is why, for many of us, we're so upset at God. We're blaming God many times for the pain we're currently feeling. And what I'm trying to get us to understand is, it's not always God's fault. It's not always God's fault. We can't continue to blame God. Why did you do this? Why did you do this? It's we also have to pursue wisdom yes. so that we can make choices that are conducive and complement God's plan for your life. Amen. That's the first reason. It's the enemy's attempt to alter a personality. The second reason is the enemy knows that betrayal heightens distrust. Betrayal and deception is a war move on your trusting ability. See, every person in here who says I have trust issues, raise your hand, I got trust issues. To be honest, I ain't gonna tell you to say nothing. I got trust issues. We have trust issues because of someone we trusted. Right? And so when you constantly have a resume of people you trusted hurting you, that could bleed over into you not trusting God too. Especially if you grew up in an atmosphere where you could not trust your dad. Like, it's hard. Mama's one thing, but daddies are a little different. Because daddies are supposed to be the first encounter of God's love. We are. So when we grow up in an atmosphere where daddy's not there, no wonder you don't think God's going to be there for you. It's hard for you to sing, you're a good, good father. That's who you are when you never saw a good father. 
So that, 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 that not trusting heightens your distrust towards God. And the enemy knows it, which is why he constantly strives to give us pain. The first most important decision that you could ever make is accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior. And then secondly, who you decide to do life with. And what we want to do is to help us so that we can stop letting perverted minds, stop letting perverted minds be our life coach. Look, let me show you something. Foundational text. All that just, just to read the scripture. Foundational text. First Kings chapter 12, verse 3. I want us to see something. This may be a passage or a biblical narrative that you have not heard before. Verse 3, it says, So they sent for Jeroboam, and he and the whole assembly of Israel went to Rehoboam and said to him, Your father put a heavy yoke on us, but now lighten the harsh labor and the heavy yoke he put on us, and we will serve you. Rehoboam answered, Go away for three days and come back to me. So the people went away. Then the king, Rehoboam, consulted the elders. Everybody say wisdom. Wisdom. In the scriptures, usually when you see elders, it's symbolic of wisdom. King Rehoboam consulted the elders who had served his father, Solomon, during his lifetime. How would you advise me to answer these people, he asked. They replied, if today you will be a servant to these people, and serve them and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your servants. But Rehoboam rejected the advice the elders gave him, and look at this, y'all, and consulted with his homies. <laughs> I love how relevant the Bible is. <laughs> it's like, look, like, okay, I'm going to reject wisdom, and I'm going to consult, look at this, y'all, the young men who grew up with him. I'm going to consult people who are on the same level with me. I'm going to consult people who will agree with me. See, this is why a lot of people, we really don't seek wisdom. We seek those who will agree. You know who to call when you're on one, and you know who not to call when you're on one. Because you know who's going to agree with you, and you know who's going to call you out. All right. All right. <laughs> he uh, consulted the young men who had grown up with him and were serving him. He asked them, what is your advice? How should we answer these people who say to me, lighten the yoke your father put on us? Then the young men who had grown up with him replied, these men, these people have said to you, your father put a heavy yoke on us, but make our yoke lighter. Now tell them, my little finger is thicker than my father's waist. My father laid on you a heavy yoke. I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips. But I'm going to scourge you with scorpions. See, if you keep on reading this passage, you'll see that God was all in this thing. Because even our unwise choices, God can still use for his glory. But we're seeing right now, somebody has the option to listen to wisdom or to listen to his homies. Now, I think the question we need to ask ourselves, are we like Rehoboam, where we're listening to wisdom but not following it? <laughs> or do we seek out counsel from the people who will agree with us? Proverbs 4, verse 5, it says, get wisdom. Somebody say, get wisdom. Get wisdom. 
get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. This was so funny to me as I was reading this. It says the beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. <laughs> it's like the beginning of wisdom, get some wisdom. <laughs> Look, though it costs you all you have, maybe your friends, maybe a relationship, your mind, your time, it costs you everything. How are you willing to spend 10000 on a wedding, but you're not willing to spend 500 on some counseling? Though it costs you everything, get understanding. This puzzle, we bought this yesterday. To the preacher, everything preaches. And I said, Miss Flowers, you know what's crazy about this puzzle? This thing says it has 1,500 pieces, right? When the pandemic first popped off, Tanisha and I were putting together puzzles. And we're young. I don't know why we were doing it. <laughs> So, okay, can't go nowhere. Everything's closed. We're going to put together some puzzles. But I, I noticed something. I never thought one time when I purchased this puzzle, what if a piece is missing? Never. I just paid the $5.99 for the thing that's going to cause me stress. <laughs> and there you go. And I didn't ask myself at all, what if a piece is missing? I'm like, how is it we could go to the store, buy a puzzle, and trust that every piece is in here, but then look at the Bible and not trust that every piece is in there for every aspect of your life? Like you got more faith in a puzzle having every piece that will help you meet this picture than you do the Bible being able to speak to every piece of your life. To the preacher, everything preaches. You trust everything's in here. But you don't trust the word of God has everything in here. It's modeled illustrations. There's sisters in here. Your view of men is because of an illustration that was modeled before you. Your view of love is due to the lack of or what somebody called love that was illustrated before you. Some of us never saw this growing up from mom and daddy. Never. Never saw it. Never saw kissing in the home. Children may say, ew, and that's, but they need to see that. They need to see me hug my wife. My son needs to see me say, I got the dishes. Go lay down. So that he could see real kingdom men serve. Illustration. So I want to pray because there are a lot of illustrations that have affected us. And the way you view church is due to a wrong illustration. The, the way you view success is due to a wrong illustration. Some of us have put a ladder and climb it up because we think that that's successful. And once you die, once you get old enough, you'll recognize you were climbing up the wrong wall. Illustrations have affected us. So here we are in church many times with facelifts, smiling, makeup, look dope. 
They look fly, bro. My sisters look beautiful. But there's a typhoon of emotions and pain that's swirling in your soul. And what we desire is health. God, would you help us right now? Help us to not be like Rehoboam. Hear wisdom, but then consult people who give us foolishness. God, and we also ask the same way we could trust a frivolous puzzle to have every piece that is needed for the image to be completed, help us to have maximum trust in you. More of us will spend time at home than we ever will at church. Forgive us for being people who have PhDs in the spiritual, but GEDs in the practical. Help us to be a spirit-led people so that pain will not have the final say. In fact, God, help us to make sure that pain does not own the pen of our story and is writing chapters. You are the author and finisher of our faith. Author our lives, God. And help us to have the wisdom and the trust to follow you. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agrees with that prayer, would you say amen in the room? Amen, amen. You know, the, the three things with this message before I do, after I did, everybody wants to get married just about. Let's be real. Most people want to get married. And we have all this stuff that Jerry was talking about going on internally. But there's three things I feel that we have to do with everything that he said. The first is forgive. The second is to acknowledge and the third is unlearn. Yeah. And so first with forgiveness, you have to forgive those illustrations that he was talking about that you saw before you. Yeah. Right? I have to think about my own life, the parent, you know, my parents, my parents got married when they were 18. That's just what you did. Yeah. You just got married back then. That was just, you know, you graduated from high school or you got a trade. That was a part of life. Yeah. It's just a regular thing. People got married. You had children. You, you know, you lived your life. Yeah. Wasn't, there was no talk of destiny. <laughs> there was no talk of purpose or, you know, where is God taking you? Right. Now, there was no talk of that. Yeah. You just got married. And depending on the culture, there's arranged marriages. Mm -hmm. So there was no talk of this. But when you know better, you do better. Right. right? So we have to be willing to forgive what they didn't know. Mm. Forgive the model that they set before you. So good. We have to be willing to, because we're going to continue to be unhealthy and continue to be in these unhealthy relationships if we don't learn to first forgive them for what they didn't know. Yeah. And then forgive yourself. Yeah. For the mistakes that you made. Ignorant. Yeah. Can we be real? Yeah. Be, be, be okay with yourself. Like, okay, I made this mistake and I didn't know any better. This is the only blueprint that I had. That's so good. This is the only blueprint that I, this is the only model that I saw. Yeah. And you're walling your heart and you have all of these unhealthy emotions and pain and unforgiveness for something that you really did not know. Mm. So you have to be first willing to forgive them, forgive yeah. that ex that didn't know either. That's hard, right? Because <laughs> they hurt you real bad. Yeah. They hurt you to the core, right? You're still dealing with that right now. 
Can we talk about that? Talk. Still dealing with that right now. The, mm. the, the pain that that ex caused you. And they might have had the same exact model that you did. Or worse. Yeah. So they didn't know how to love you like Christ loves the church. Yeah. They didn't know what covering is. Yeah. They didn't know. Yeah. So we have to be able to forgive because of ignorance and unlearning. And then acknowledge, acknowledge, you know what? That was dysfunctional. Yeah. This was not, this, this wasn't right. Yeah. What I learned, what my father did, what my mother did, how the patterns and the, and the systems that I had in my household, this was not right. This was incorrect. Yeah. What I saw in the media, what I saw with my friends, what I saw, what I grew up in in my community, this isn't what God orchestrated. Don't just continue on in this pattern because this is all you know. Because that's what we do. That's all we know. So we just continue on in this pattern, in this cycle. We just keep going. Talk. This is all we know. But we have to be willing to acknowledge this is unhealthy. This is not what God has for me. There has to be better. There has, there has to be better. I remember I got to a point in my life where I was really sick of bad relationships, right? Anybody been there? Like, I'm just saying. I was like, I'm so tired of this. I'm, 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 I'm over it. I'm over it. <laughs> they weren't me. Yeah. <laughs> they clearly weren't you, honey. Amen. They, they clearly weren't you. <laughs> clearly. <laughs> Thank goodness. Amen. But I remember getting to a point, I was like, I am so tired of this. There has to be something better. Now, mind you, I grew up in church. A lot of us maybe have grown mm. up in church. Maybe we didn't. But that doesn't mean that I heeded to wisdom. There it is. Talk. That doesn't mean that I heeded to wisdom. Talk. That doesn't mean that I chose to follow the model that was set before me. Mm. I still decided to touch that stove, even though they told me it's hot. <laughs> Anybody done that before? That's, that's hot. That's real hot. <laughs> Don't touch it. Right? And then you didn't touch it, and you're like, yeah, it's hot. It's pretty hot. It'll burn you. <laughs> Somebody said third degree burn. <laughs> third degree. Listen, head just stinging. Just stinging. <laughs> but we have to get to the point where we, we acknowledge, that, you know what, this is what I did. These are the bad patterns that I set. And I'm walking around with all this resentment and all this anger and all this unforgiveness, and I don't trust anybody. Listen, acknowledge this is a mistake I made. I didn't know any better. Mm -hmm. The people in my life and my community, they didn't know any better either. Yeah. So God, now that I know, help me to, to, to make the right path. Come on. Guide my footsteps now. Yeah. Don't continue to punish yourself, because that's yeah. what some people do. Yeah. You continue to punish yourself and you yeah. wallow in this misery and mm. a dark place because of something that you really did not know. Right. First forgive, first acknowledge, then be willing to unlearn. Be willing to, and then, because you're so comfortable in all this dysfunction, be willing to be uncomfortable with something that you're not used to, because what you were used to was dysfunctional. Yeah, touch that. Right? What you're yes. used to was toxic. What you were used to was traumatic. Right? <laughs> what so you're good. used to is just messy. <laughs> right? That's what you're used to. Yeah. So be willing to unlearn that because sometimes when people, you know, you come into the faith, you come into the knowledge, you're like, does it really take all that? 
Is this, is this really what you're supposed to do? Because you're so used to trauma. You're so used yes. to pain. You're so used to mess. Yeah. You're used to, this is, this is normal. Yeah. And we've, we've, we've said this before, we learn how to function in dysfunction. Yeah. And God doesn't want that for us. We have to yeah. do those things. And, and, the, and, and we want to have these beautiful marriages and relationships, right? <laughs> yes. We want to have, you know, have the white dress and go on, you know, vacations together. You know, and have, you know, have these wonderful children. You, you want to have this beautiful life. You want to have this happily ever after. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but you've got all this trauma. Yeah. Right? You have to unlearn and forgive and yeah. acknowledge all of this stuff before I do. There it is. Before I do. Talk. Right? So before. Good. Prior to. Talk. In front of. Talk. Do that beforehand. Yeah. Because when you do it after I do, See? oh Lord. See? Listen, and some of, some of us can be a test to that. You know, oh, you've, you've gone through that. And so now you're like, I'm not going through that again. But the problem is some of us continue on in the same cycle. You have to be willing to say, I am oh, tired God. of going through this. I don't want to do this anymore. Gosh, I wish, man, I wish we knew how rich this was. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, married people really can't say amen too much. We're coming, from, we're coming from after I do in a minute. I mean, after I did in a minute. But, but the thing is, even if you're saying I want health, do you have the taste buds for health? Right. You see? Y'all see how quiet it's getting? God, send me your will. You don't even live out his will now. God, God, I, I want somebody I can help. You don't even receive his help. You really can handle a kingdom man? A kingdom man that will tell you, like, no, you are wrong. You don't need to treat her like that. Speak even though she's not speaking to you. You would think that he's, like, taking her side. He's like, no, I understand. Kingdom men, we regulate the chaos. We don't breed it. You were wrong. You were wrong. So what, what we end up trying to do is we want kingdom things, cultural ways. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Amen. We want the favor of God and the comfort of our trauma and dysfunction at the same time. I want what you want, God, but I also want for you to be okay with what I want too. Can I say this real fast? Go ahead, talk. It's like we try to get as close to the line as possible without going over. <laughs> well, is this okay, God? Well, can I do this? Well, is this sin if I do this? Is this, what about this, God? Well, he's this, well, he's, I mean, well, she's, all, I mean, you try to make all these, you want to get as close as possible without completely going over. Right. Right? Because you don't, you know, you don't. You don't want to obviously be sinning and, you know, right. you know, you don't want to make it that obvious, you know, you want to condone, a, you know, a little bit and it still be okay. You want God to be okay with it. Right. Right. You want to be, you want God to be okay with your conformity. Right. Right. You want, you want God to be okay with it. Yeah. But when you truly ask God to come in and say, Lord, yeah. be Lord. Yeah. Be Lord. Yeah. Over everything. Yeah. Lord, be Lord over everything, Father. Yeah. 
over my soul, over my thoughts, over my mind, over yeah. my will, every step that I take. Lord, be, be Lord. Yeah. Lead me. You want to get as far away from the line as possible. Yeah. Yeah. You, see, you see what I'm saying? Absolutely. If I, if I am even an inkling, Lord, I don't want to even be next to the line. I, want to, I don't even want to be in the same vicinity as the line. Yeah. Because my desire is to please you. Yeah. My desire is to love you. My desire yeah. is to draw closer to you. Yeah. I don't want to continue on in these cycles anymore. Yeah. I don't want to continue on in this trauma. So, Lord, take me as far away from the line as possible. Yeah. I don't want to continue to compromise or yeah. make things my own way or, yeah. or paint my own Bible, make my own word, because that's what a lot of people are doing nowadays. Yeah. They're just writing their own word and they're calling it truth. Yeah. Yeah. It's their own word. It's their own gospel. Yeah. There's only one gospel. Yeah. There's only one truth. Yeah. And God commands us to live by it if we want to be who he wants us to be. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Amen. And a lot of people don't even recognize, ooh, this might be heavy. A lot of us don't even recognize our prayers are asking God to bless what hell sent. For real. We're so blindfolded to God's will that we're asking for him to bless what the enemy is behind. <laughs> and so, look, um, Amber Tiff, come here real quick. I want to show you. Y'all, I felt so awkward. Um, when I was in Walmart buying these condoms, <laughs> I was like, boy, I hope nobody going, Pastor Jerry, <laughs> watch tomorrow, I promise, watch the sermon tomorrow. I ain't doing nothing with this. <laughs> so um, I want you to hold good to see you, Pastor one Flowers. trash bag over there. And Tiffany, you come hold one trash bag over here. Did you get the money? You have the money up here? No. You forgot it. All right. Um, yes, I want you to get the money. So th this... This is what happens. Since she's getting the money, I'll start with the first one. The culture is giving us trash that we're presenting to God to bless. Okay? And then we wonder why in our covenants it feels like garbage. It feels like an incubator of our pain. It's because we're allowing perverted minds to be our life coaches. All right? So for me and in culture, they told us, you're a man. By how many women you sleep with. Just listen to the music. This is what makes you a man. Old school saying, sow your royal oats. Nobody's faithful to one woman anymore. And there's some women who believe it. And there are things that have gone viral of other men telling women, if you're 35 and older, be okay with sharing a man. And gospel. some sisters are even considering it. Considering it. This is what makes you a man. Ooh, there's a brother in here right now. You got one on you. Mm hmm Maybe in your car, in your wallet. Oh, it's getting real. And, and I know it's like buying a condom not a sin, bro. See, I was following until you said that. It's not a sin. You're right, homie. It's not a sin, but it is an usher. It does lead you to something. What do you plan on doing with this? Oh, this sure is a nice package, and this is, this is great. I just plan on... We are having a just-in-case backup. And ladies, while y'all amening, ooh, this is real. Should I go here? While y'all are amening, some of us make sure your undergarments match on purpose, just in case. Y'all don't want to talk. You make sure that you're groomed on purpose, just in case. 
We got to talk about this in church, y'all. If we don't talk about it in church, we'll have Rome teaching us instruction and then wonder why our children come back sounding like Romans. We can't go to Caesar and have them teach us and then wonder why we sound like Romans. We can't go to Hollywood and then wonder why the church is filled with actors. Who is your professor? We got to talk about this in church. Tell me, this, this is what a man is, but that's trash. It's trash, trash. because what you going to do when you got one woman till death do you part? A lot of this erectile dysfunction is your body has been classically conditioned to multiple women. And so now, ooh, so now you don't even know how to be faithful or get aroused to the same woman each and every day of your life because you've trained after the club, this woman, after the bar, this woman. So I don't know how to be faithful to one. I can't even perform with her because my body has been trained in perversion. And the beauty of your singleness is you have time to unlearn your expectations. Unlearn it. Because we will have counseling sessions with couples who are having terrible sex lives. And I'm like, covenant sex is supposed to be the best sex. You telling me doing it God's way is the worst way? It's supposed to be the best sex. Why is it so terrible? It's because I'm expecting my queen to do the same things that I learned in perversion. And so now I'm judging her by me entertaining a spirit of Jezebel. I'm judging her by all the times y'all don't want to talk to me. Women too. Women too. See, listen. The reason I'm going so hard on men right now is because I hear enough talking about waiting to be found. Enough. Like, how often do you see purity ceremonies with men lined up there? How long do you hear, how often do you see men saying, I'm practicing abstinence? We're out here. I'm not minimizing the kings who are killing it for Jesus. But for the most part, it's our sisters who are crying out for help. They're the ones that ask for a counseling session first. They're the ones that ask to meet with pastor first. So I'm like, okay, if we aren't addressing the finder, but we keep on monetizing the person who wants to be found, we'll have a generation of women waiting for men who don't exist because we're not building them, we're not talking to them. Preach Holy Ghost. A wife right now wanting for change to hit her husband's heart, but it does not happen because in church all you hear is, well, God got a blessing, and it's your season, and it's your time. Somebody say it's your time. And you sitting there dealing with hell at home. And it's not always that the it's not always the devil, it's that the man was not taught how to be a kingdom man. And we need more men to model, this is how I handle it. This is how I'm patient. Yes, these thoughts come to my mind too. I asked my dad, I said, Dad, you ever had like a dream that you weren't faithful to mama? He said, Yeah. I said, man, did you tell her? He said, shoot, no. <laughs> I said, really, why not? He said, that's just Satan trying to put something in your head to tell your wife something to cause her to start thinking about you. He said, that was the enemy. That wasn't me. I'm not going to be taught telling my wife what the enemy gave me. Now, I wouldn't have known that. Because I'd be like, baby, we need to pray because. And then all of a sudden, she started looking at sister so-and-so funny. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Miss Flowers. I'm sorry. You know. I put the condom in there. Okay. And it's with, trash. with okay. the women, with the women, you know, we're taught a, a lot of things from culture. You know, we're taught a lot of things of what we're supposed to do to get a man. There it is. To keep a man. <laughs> to cater to a man. 
all of that stuff. Now listen, when you have a kingdom, man, then that's when you do things like that. But we're doing that before I do, right? Yeah. And so um, I got a few things in my bag too. And just, so just like, okay, now I'll have, you know, I'm do pretty, one at a time. I do one, one at a time, okay, yeah. so I'll start with this, right? So, you know, we're taught to dress a certain way, right? Right, we're taught, you know, that skirt needs to a little, be a little bit shorter. Mm-hmm. Okay, we, that the cleavage needs to be a little bit more out. Give me some. You know, get at. as big a booty as you possibly can. <laughs> I'm sorry, is that okay for me to say? We need this. Get, I mean, I mean, listen, I'm not capping on nobody else in the world, you know, in, <laughs> in the media, but listen, those are not my models. But we use those, we're told to use those at our, as models, and we're told that that is what attracts a man. Yep. That is what attracts a man. So you dress like a certain way, you carry yourself a certain way because you think that is what is going to be desirable or make you more desirable. Yeah. And what is desirable to a kingdom man is not what you have on. It's when you're clothed with righteousness. It's when, do you hear me, ladies? Now, hold on, hold on. I want to say something, too. That does not mean don't invest in yourself. I was going to go there. Because we're visual. Go ahead. I was going to go there. Go ahead. Because I, I get tired of the church. Just, just I was going to go there. Yeah, we like your godliness, but. I was going to go All there. Right, go ahead. But here's the thing. Go ahead. When you are a woman after God's own heart and you're devoted to the Lord, he will guide everything. When I say everything, that, that means everything. Yeah. Everything, how you are supposed to dress, yeah. how you're supposed to carry yourself, yeah. how you're supposed to walk, how you're supposed to talk. Yeah. Okay? All of that, if you truly decide to be devoted to the Lord. The scripture that I wanted to bring out, uh, my mother told me this scripture when I was a single woman. And it's, let the unmarried woman care for the things of the Lord yeah. and being devoted to him. Yeah. My mom used to tell me that. First Corinthians. First Corinthians. Let the unmarried woman care for the thing, how she may be devoted to him with her life in service. So when you when you make that decision, God will shape you and mold you. Okay? So you don't have to do things that the culture is telling you to do. And I'm not talking about teenagers, y'all. These are we're grown women. Yeah. Grown women, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60. Still out here doing it. (laughs) That's real. Still trying to wear the smallest dress to, 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 to please some nasty man. Right? Still trying, to, still trying to twerk at the club. Really? When do we get past this? This, is, this, is, this doesn't make you a woman. It doesn't make you desirable. Okay? It does not, it doesn't make you desirable. If you want a kingdom man, he is not concerned with that. Right. What's in your head? His dad used to tell me, his, his dad told me that he was with a bunch of friends one time when he was younger. Mm-hmm. And all these guys were looking at this girl's butt. Yeah. And his dad was like, why are you looking at that? That stinks. <laughs> Can she think though? <laughs> Can she think though? <laughs> Right? And maybe that's not everybody. So I'm, yeah. I'm going to go ahead and yeah. go, I'll go to my next one after that's this. That's the type of father I had, though. See, I'm just a replica of a godly man in the home. See, y'all, it's, it's a system. Godly father, godly son, I have a godly son. Give him a godly grandson. We have a godly home, have a godly community. It starts with just one man deciding. 
That's it. I wouldn't have thought like that if I didn't have a father like the father I had. I would have believed my friends, just like Rehoboam. And, and this culture thing right now, it's really irritated me. We're going to have to do something on it. I don't know, a conference, something online. This whole high-value man stuff, it just, this whole, it's really irritated me. Um, it's irritated me for several reasons. The first one is when a man believes, okay, I'm a man by how much bread I make. I mean, I know how to reign. I know how to make money. This one female, Tiffany, I saw the other day, she said, I couldn't be married to a man that makes less than 100000 a year. That's $274 a day. And if we go out on a date and he buys my meal and, and he pays for his meal and then we get alcohol, that's $300. So I'm going to take how much you make in a day on one date? No, I, I can't have that. I'm like, this is the concept that my generation is thinking? It's trash. He could have more zeros in the bank than I'll ever have, but have a poverty-stricken soul. Listen, can, can give you a mansion, but can't pray for you. See, there's certain things that money can't buy. There's certain things that money can't buy. I can't pay for a woman to cover me in the spirit. I can't pay for that. To have my wife pray for me when I'm trying to navigate and make decisions for my household and to serve and lead a generation, I need somebody who would help me not just get an orgasm, I need somebody who can help me in life. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, the same thing, like what Pastor Isaac was saying on Therapy Thursday. I need him to be able to hear. Hear. That's not deep. If he's supposed to be a leader, my God, I hope he can hear the leader. I hope. Like, we need to have holistic conversations where I can understand, is he a led man? Say leader slow. Leader. It almost sounds like lead her. But how can I lead her if I don't want to know what leadership looks like and I've never been led myself? The only place I know how to lead you to is a bedroom. That's the only place I know how. And then I let my anger emotion lead my responses because I have not been taught that true kingdom manhood is not from the waist down. It's from the neck up. But look, I need to be taught this. We need to have conversations like this in church. That's trash. You trying to suppress your pain by popping bottles in the club? I don't even know. Some of these bottles are like 400, 500, probably more than that. Spending all of this money on things that are trash. And then you try to get high. This is construction paper. My wife said, you need to tell them. I said, they'll be honest. She said, tell them. This is construction paper. I will try to use this as a peace escape. When my wife frustrate me, I'll smoke on this. And then when I was growing up, there were songs all the time. Let's get blown. All songs like, I get high, I get high, I get high on my memory. <laughs> and all the dudes in the class, I get high, high, high every day. I get high, high. And then don't let Snoop start coming in. Snoop, oh, don't hey. oh, <laughs> So look. These give us examples on what we do. 
When we face trouble, I get high, high, high. When I'm upset, I get high, high, high. I get high on my memory. And so these are our patterns. And this was way back before I was even born. Talking about Mary Jane. They talking about marijuana. It's a generational pattern of substance abuse. And, and this is what happens then. I start to put on all of these clothes of culture. The culture gives me a garment to wear, a garment of lust to wear. The culture gives me a garment of pride to wear. Yeah, all of this stuff the culture's telling me to wear, not understanding that wardrobes lead to war zones. Look, look, I want to show you this. This is good, y'all. I want to show you this. We got to get out the way. Um, you moved my scripture, girl. There it is. All right, 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 17, when David was about to fight Goliath. Look at this, verse 38. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried to walk around because he was not used to them. Here it is, y'all. David says, I cannot go in these because I am not used to them. So he took them off. What would our culture look like if men started to take off Saul's garments? If we started to take off what hip-hop told us, if started to take off what pain told us, maybe we would start a cycle of healing because just like pain can be passed down, so can healing. We're running out of time, Ms. Foss. Put your, put your stuff in there. I, I want them to see. You want to talk about the makeup or no? We can move on. I want them to see. Put everything in there. So this is what happens. In my singleness, I got all this trash. That culture taught me, all right? Now I meet her, and I want to do life together. Come give me a hug. Now, come on, let's get one now. You can't even get intimate because of all the trash. The closeness in your spouse, married people, here we come for you. The reason I can't even feel the oneness is all this trash. All of this stuff I never unlearned. All of this stuff, see, single problems become married problems. And so now we're struggling in covenant because we're still holding on our trash. The wisdom of God is trying to use the single season to get rid of your trash so that when God does send you somebody, come here, girl, when God does send you somebody, you can have the intimacy. You can have the closeness. I'm not talking to her cray-cray. God handled that with my singleness. Before I do, let's give you some points to get out of here because I think that's as much as you can take. Before I do, point number one, can I get everybody to say detox, detox. from Egypt? From Egypt. Detox from Egypt. That is the beauty of your singleness. You have time to detox from everything that you have learned wrong. The reason you call your singleness so bored is because you let your gifts go to sleep. If you just knew how anointed and how gifted you are, I promise you wouldn't be bored. If you just knew how many things you have to be purged from, you would not be bored. So God will use this season to deal with our mindsets, to deal with our addictions. God is saying, okay, I have to heal you because whoever I'm sending you, I love them too. I love them too. God's not going to have you wait and send you trash. But there's trash that's having you wait. 
And sometimes it has nothing to do with just the timing of God. It has us do, it has us, has for us to do with holding on to trash. And if you don't desire marriage, that's cool. That's great. If you don't desire it, that's okay. Some people are not built for marriage. And that's all right. Why everybody get quiet? There's nothing wrong with that. For real, especially brothers. If you're like, listen, I, I'm just, marriage is not for me. Great. Just don't desire covenant benefits, though. Hey, see that? All right. Point number two, before I do, discover destiny. Okay? What is my life's assignment? What is my mission? Discover that because I can't pick on purpose if I don't know it. Did you hear me? I cannot pick on purpose if I don't know it. And one of the most dangerous things you could ever do is enter into a relational context and not know why you have been born. I think the hardest thing for a married couple to ever experience is for you to discover your why in covenant and roll over and see the person that you said yes to is not congruent for your why. Stuff we're telling you now, see, listen, I need a session. Did you listen to part seven of Destiny Decisions? <laughs> Six, excuse me, sorry. Did you listen? I, I need you to listen to it where you'll be able to hear some of the stuff I could do right now. Right. What does God want me to do? That's what this whole series is about so that we can make decisions from that place. And when you understand your destiny, it will remove a scarcity mentality. They just ain't no more kingdom man no more. Okay, if you, if you need one for your purpose, God will send you one. Period. It's not an if, but for your assignment, like for me, I needed a wife for what I do. I wasn't desperate. I completed singleness. It was finished. Does that make sense? That's as far as I could go in that season. I, I was finished with it. I don't even know why I paid rent at my apartment because I was never home. I was always up here at the church playing basketball with about 14, 15 dudes at 2 o'clock in the morning. When I didn't have anything to do, 23, 24, I played with them. I hooped with them. It was better to be with a whole group of men having Bible study and playing basketball than for me to be in my apartment struggling to not watch porn. I'm just being honest. So I was actively involved. When you do not discover your destiny in your singleness, singleness will feel like a prison. And so now every person that's in your DMs is viewed as a bail bond. Okay. Number three, make choices that complement destiny. Are y'all seeing how this flows? Once I discover it, I can make choices that complement it. Is there anybody that you're like, okay, I'm tired of having relationships that have no point? Ask one more time. Is there anybody who has arrived at this place, I'm tired of having relationships that have no point? I want them to be on purpose. Ephesians 5, verse 25. This is a scripture I wish I would have paid more attention to when I was unmarried. It says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. If the married Jerry can go back to the unmarried Jerry and have a conversation, I would tell him, you need to fast more. Learn what it's like to suffer. Learn what it's like to not get your way. Intentionally say no Xbox tonight. Intentionally do not eat what you want to because when you're a husband, you're going to have to give yourself up. 
like Christ loved the church. And in your singleness, if you're not used to giving yourself up, in your marriage, when you have to give yourself up for her and your children, it's hard. So I wish I would have fasted more. I wish I would have trained on what it feels like to deny my flesh more. I wish I would have maximized my singleness to an area where I'm like, okay, train yourself to not get what you want. So when I say I do to her, I'm used to it. I'm used to it. If you don't like serving, you're going to hate marriage. If you are a terrible forgiver, if you like keep records of wrong, you're going to have a horrible marriage. And I wish I would have really focused on the give yourself up. Paul said it this way. When I became a man, I laid aside, I put off childish things. You don't do that in covenant. That means for the first three or four years, you're learning to put off. Why not do it now before the I do? And lastly, for, uh, before I do, point number four, have a purpose circle. Have a purpose circle. Be surrounded by people who are in purpose too. Because they will tell you things that they do that's conducive for their purpose. Like I tell brothers all the time, hey, I'm grinding. I said, no, I got to rest. I said, really? No, I got to sleep. The church will only get an exhausted version of me, a lower creative version of me when I'm on eat. And I perform better when I rest. Yeah, I just got to grind. No, one way you can show that you trust God and that your grind and your work is not your God is by resting. Because he controls the outcome. You do what you know how to do. But I'm not stressing over that. I'm resting. Having people around you in purpose will tell you things that complement yours. But when all your friends and all your clique is outside of purpose, they're going to give you wisdom from outside of purpose. Now, after I do, first thing you have to understand, your marriage must be Christocentric, meaning Christ-centered. See how quiet it is? It must be Christ-centered. Marriage is a God-made institution. It's not going to work if you try to keep them out of the institution. This MacBook breaks. I'm not taking it to Windows. I'm taking it to Apple. Your marriage is breaking. Take it to the one who made it. Number one, after I do... Serve one another. You know why a lot of couples, your marriage is so bad? You stop serving. Stop serving one another. When you're dating, you didn't mind serving. What you need? Oh, I'll make a drink, baby. I'll make a plan. I'll pick you up. Where you at? You got a blowout? I'm on my way, girl. You don't mind serving, but somewhere down the line, in marriage, serving became a burden. After I do, fall in love with serving. I think in my mind, it may be pity, I'm just competitive. I'm like, she ain't going to outserve me. <laughs> serving. How marriage is difficult is when one person is sitting and the other person is serving. Both of us are serving one another. Point number two, after I do, don't keep records of wrong. Not Keeping a record of wrong. If you struggle with forgiveness in your singleness, hold up. Because I promise you, thank you, baby. I promise you, you're going to see the ugliness about the person that you think is everything to you. How well do you forgive? Here's a deeper question. How well do you forgive you? 
because you can't give from a place that's in a drought. And if you struggle with forgiving you, if you struggle with accepting God's grace now, you will punish yourself, punish yourself when your spouse says, I'm not even mad anymore. But you have been trained on how to punish you because you're so upset with you. And you're going to teach you a lesson. And so now when somebody's trying to give you grace, you can't even receive it. No, nah, I'm good. I'm good. Not Forgive. If you struggle to forgive, marriage is going to be hard for you. Man, I don't have time to unpack this. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. Uh, number three is junkyard or skyscraper words. In your marriage... Your mouth, does it produce a junkyard or a skyscraper? Do you build her up with your mouth? Do you build him up with your mouth? And this is a test for all married couples. Don't do it now, but I, I challenge you. When you go home, ask your spouse, the way I talk to you, do you feel more like a junkyard or a skyscraper? And are you mature enough to handle what they say? I was always told you can speak to the king or to the fool in him. Yeah. And whichever one you speak to the most is the one that you're going to get. Wow. You speak to the king, you, you're going to get the king more. You speak to the fool, you're going to see a fool. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's something that's learned. Old advice, grandma, don't ever brag and stroke a man's ego. We need that. We need that. You see me washing dishes? Okay, I see your muscles. You do? It's our boy-like tendency that never left. We love compliments. We do. Delilah knows that. That hit somebody. We love compliments. The time that you feel like they don't need love the most, love them the hardest. Because love conquers all. Skyscraper or junkyard. Number four in your marriage be their biggest cheerleader. It's another question you can ask your spouse. Do you feel like I support you? Marriage is not for immature people. You need to be mature enough. Hey, do you feel like I support you? I don't. What do you mean you don't? Be mature enough. To, okay, how would you feel more supported? All the claps and everything. I do this for God. But what would affect me more than this is my beautiful wife, what she says about me. She's my biggest cheerleader, and I'm her biggest cheerleader. When you stop serving, you start holding records of wrong, and you use your mouth to produce a junkyard. And when you don't be your biggest cheerleader for your spouse, your marriage will be on life support. And maturity does not have an age. Hmm. Doesn't. You have to choose to be mature. Yeah. You make the choice yeah. to grow. Yeah. You make the choice to heed to wisdom. Yeah. You make the choice. Yeah. And if you are somebody that despises wisdom, hmm. if you're somebody that despises doing things not your way, yeah. then it's going to be very hard for you. To be functional in a relationship in a marriage. Yeah. Yeah. You have to make the choice because many of us are walking around broken. Mm. 
A whole lot of stuff snatched, but our souls are sick. Yeah. Souls are sick. Yeah. Souls are sad. Mm. We're walking around broken. Yeah. And you can't do any of this if you don't know who you are. Yeah. And if you, are, if, if you have not been completed in Christ, mm. you cannot do any of this. You can't unlearn, you can't walk in wholeness, you can't walk in freedom and healing, you cannot walk in anything that God has for you until you understand who you are in Christ and why you are here. You will not be an asset to any man or woman unless you know who you are first in him. Hmm. Period. It's It's going to be hell. It's real quiet. It, your marriage is going to be hell. If you go into it and you think you know everything, yeah. you think that you don't have to die mm. daily, yeah. and you don't think that you have to serve and give up yourself over and over again, and you yeah. don't think, do things your way, if you think that you can keep some of the same stuff you had in singleness, yeah. it's gonna be hell. Yeah, that's why. That's why we're doing this yeah. before I do. Right after you did. That's why last one, number five, define success. For the couples that have graduated from discipleship class and were given premarital counseling to, I asked them, I said, I want you to define what success of marriage looks like. You'd be surprised how many couples are married right now, been married 20, 30 years, and couldn't tell you what's the point of their marriage. What's success? If you don't have a goal, of what successful covenant looks like, you won't have metrics to identify are we going towards a level of evolution in our marriage. For me, it's clear to inspire a generation to live for Jesus. That's it. The icing is we love each other. (laughs) But the goal of my marriage is to inspire a generation to live for Jesus. Be young and unashamed of Jesus and to raise up kingdom babies so that when I'm gone, they can do the same thing legacy so I want to pray um, but I want to pray specifically for um, our married couples singleness we usually deal with a lot but we would be guilty of ministerial malpractice if in this series we didn't talk about your decision of who you do life with because it will affect your destiny Samson and Delilah's proof all day who he wanted cause for his destiny to be cut short. It may be far from us that we want things that will cut us off. So I want to pray for married couples in a corporate prayer and we can go home. Um, Father, I, I specifically pray for kingdom couples. Help us to unlearn. Help us to understand that the purpose of this covenant is to be a replica of Christ in his church. We won't be perfect but you are perfect. Help our brothers to be able to seek you as we're leading our family. And help our wives also be able to help and lead and correct us, because we need help. And I pray for humility in the husbands to be able to listen to the divine helpers when we don't know what to do, but she does because you're speaking to her as well. In Jesus' name we pray, and I also pray for my singles. I pray that you give them strength, grace, and the patience to trust your time. And I'll also pray, God, anything that is trash in our life, that culture has given us, 
that's causing for us to deal with pain that serves no point. Detox us from that. Rid us of Egypt so that we'll be ready to serve you. Rather, if marriage is our calling or singleness is our calling, ultimately we want your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.